Fuck! Oh, can you bleep that? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, going to no. be the first. That's going to be the first word of the podcast. Oh, so um, no swears. You can do some swears, but we're going to try to have Bear edit the big ones out because we want this to at least be kid accessible, if not kid focused. Okay. This is no a kid problem. show. This is a yeah. kid show, and I'm gonna. I I do my best to edit every cuss word, but uh, I don't get every one sometimes. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about how I have an 80% accuracy rate with my censorship. We're here to talk about bugs because we're loving learning about bugs. And then we come back, we're talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, so we're having a good conversation during the theme music, but not anymore. So glad it was fun for you. I'm still pretty mad about it. Well, Mark, you have a bad attitude in general. And... And, and, and honestly, I don't understand how you could be as curmudgeonly as you are, considering you're just coming back from a very beautiful island. Well, that's true. I, I feel like my bad attitude is, is all that's getting me through this troubled time. Well, how is that, though? Is it, do you, do you use it as humor? As it just, it, I, it, I clench everything and I feel like the virus can't get in because I'm so... <laughs> the the rage radiating out of me is is, is uh, blocking the anything from getting in. You're just in a bubble of of anger, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think people who know me well would that that's how they would describe me. I really I like that. I think that that's very healthy, Mark. I didn't know what you were talking about at first, but now you're saying it. I think that uh, uh, just vein popping rage is the general emotion we all need to have in order to get rid of this freaking virus. But anyway, you heard her chime in. She couldn't help herself. And it was so appropriate that we, her first words were when talking about a bubble because NBA bubble, it's Dunktown Anastasia. Welcome to Love and Learn About Bugs. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Anastasia, when's the first bug you ever heard of? Look, I I, I don't think this qualifies as a bug, okay? But, Mark will be the judge. But, uh, but I think it's a distant relative of a bug. I remember when I was probably like, I don't know, I was probably like three or something. I was pretty young. We found a, a giant crab shell for a... Um, I can't remember the name of a a horseshoe crab. A horseshoe, yeah. Amazing. We were, I lived in Fort Walton Beach at the time and we were at the beach and we just found this like giant crab shell and I was a tiny child and I held it up and was just like, oh, it was like as big as me. <laughs> Probably not, but yeah, the crab, the crab was gone. It was oh, just okay, the okay. shell. And Where is Fort of, Walton Beach? It's in the Panhandle in Florida. Oh, okay. Sorry, Florida. <laughs> okay. I expect all of you to know where Fort Walton Beach is. At we all have times. a lot of international uh, listeners, and you know they're, they may not be a ton of Florida listeners too. <laughs> That's why I was just letting it go. Um, and so I I remember that as being like v making a huge impression on me. But then uh, I moved to Arizona, and Arizona is full of very interesting bugs. And one bug that plagued my childhood is called a Palaverde beetle. And it's this, like, giant, gross, flying 
beetle and there's a lot of judgment in my voice you can tell because we would go swimming and it would like fly at us um and it was it was i didn't like it it is okay all right taking a look at this palo verde beetle um quite a intimidating beetle it's very big it's a large bug and i'm imagining it flying at me when i'm splashing around in my pool and i don't know i don't know if i'm having a good time in that moment no uh, do, you, Mark. do you know this bug at all, Mark? You yeah. probably don't. It's a very Arizona-specific uh, bug. It's okay. cool. It's extremely cool. I don't know the one from Arizona, but that, like with all, like with all, almost all groups of bugs, it's part of a family of very similar bugs. So, like the Palo Verde one is is a species that may be restricted in its distribution, and I haven't spent a lot of time in Arizona. But it's a longhorn beetle. Uh, ref- referring to its antennas being long. And um, I've definitely run across ones that I believe are in the same genus. And yeah, they're they're very... The first one I found, I was... I was not three. Uh, I didn't bloom into an entomologist until later in life. Um, I think I was in... Excuse me, I think I was like a sophomore in college. And I was going for a run in the forest around the campus, and one landed on my shirt while I was jogging. Oh, dear. No. But at that point, I was I was an entomologist, and I was like, "Well, I've got to I've got to put this in my collection." But it was like two and a half inches long and had fierce claws and is really strong. And so I was like, "Well, it's just me on a jog. I just I don't have anything to keep it in." So I just clenched it in my fist, alive, <gasps> until I got back from my run. Um, and so it bit me a lot of times. Um, oh, how much does it hurt? Well, so they're not aggressive. I definitely don't want to get that impression across um but but they uh, do have kind of pinchy well they eat wood yeah a lot of these things that are not predatory like they have fierce jaws because they have to chew through a tree so your teeth are you know even if you're not a predator if you're if your main lifestyle is chewing through a tree branch your teeth are going to be not not to be trifled with i chew through trees all the time and my teeth are very small and delicate (laughs) Well, these guys get through it with with main force and very sharp mandibles. So, um, some people are born with sensitive teeth. Mark, <laughs> were you born with teeth, Bear? That's kind of alarming. My sister was actually born with one tooth coming in. Thank you for changing. <laughs> oh subject. no! How, how how mortifying! I was teasing Bear, and now I've I've inadvertently <laughs> mocked a family member. <laughs> My dear, my dear, lovely sister, who's an angel, you just offended her so much, Mark. Well, I hope that, yeah, I know that she's a, she's a scientist or a science enthusiast anyway. And uh, she was born without teeth. No, No, she had one little tooth. (laughs) (laughs) Most babies don't have teeth. What a freak. Didn't have teeth. Weird. Not even human at that point. Yeah, Anastasia's sister was born with teeth. <laughs> I've had the same set choppers for all, all 32 years. My sister is a vampire. Did I not mention that, though? Oh, that's interesting. I assumed. Okay. I guess because Mark's a scientist, so he knows. <laughs> they bore through wood, and that's why they're terrifying. Well, they're not terrifying, but if 
if you grab one up into your bare hand and you try to run with it for a few miles, I'm not. Touch, I'm not putting that in my hand. Yeah, well, that you're. That's a that's a good instinct, uh, as as it turns out. Um, but I did make it back and, and add it to my collection, which at the time was not as extensive as it is now. So I was really excited to get a big, exciting beetle like that. Yeah, when your when your collection starts up and you don't have many bugs, and most of them are small or medium size, it looks really pathetic. But when you get a huge beetle or another type, big type of bug, that's when it starts to look cool. And you invite your friends over, and they're like, whoa, it's so big. You're, and you guys would play with it together. Your instincts are dead on on that. That's exactly how it was. I figure uh, it's why you got into etymology. Yeah, one why I didn't show my collection to anyone until I had some, some good big bugs to make right. it. So they wouldn't, you know, right. bully me about it. I'm always impressed, Mark, with uh, how you'll just let things sting and bite you, um, and you don't seem to mind. I wouldn't say that I don't mind. <laughs> I would say more that it's not, and I wouldn't say that I necessarily let them bite me. I, in this instance, I was making it bite me, and so I felt like obliged <laughs> to put up with it because I was the one who had grabbed it and was squeezing it in my fist and like running around with it. But, I mean, that's a very compassionate view. Well, I, and then I killed it and put it in my collection. So. <laughs> so I was going to say that I feel like with with most of Mark's work, he, he probably can stand to get get nicked a little bit every now and then by a bug. Yes. No, karm karmically, I think that it, it, it helps even the balance a little bit every time I get stung. <laughs> yeah. Because you just came back from your lovely uh, vacation on a beautiful yes. island, oh, and yeah. you, you seem to not care that crabs were pinching your butt. <laughs> Thank you, Stas, for pivoting back to that. I tried in the beginning to talk about Mark's island trip. But... Um, yes, I went to the island of St. Croix, which is one of the U.S. Virgin Islands in the Caribbean. I believe that. Virgin? Hey! <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, very funny. It's a medical term, I think. Not everyone is allowed to go there. I got a special invitation. <laughs> Virgins only? Yeah, that's they. They didn't say why, but they said you you are uniquely oh. qualified to come visit our island. Nice, that's sweet of them. Um, yeah, and and it's semi tropical. So it's in the Caribbean, so it's basically situated between Florida and South America, more or less. Um, so there's a lot of cool tropical things there, um, but it's a small island, so the diversity of stuff that you can find on an island is often restricted by the size of the island because stuff has to get there and survive there and there's only so much space so um but yeah there were the crabs crabs seem to be thriving there um does that they pinch they pinch your little bottom <laughs> they will pinch they did not pinch my bottom they pinched me on my feet and my they hands were going for it mark you know they were yeah no they start at the feet and but i was able to stop them before they had worked their way up <laughs> yeah <laughs> Almost every crab, they're trying to curl up there. That's what they want, yes. Yeah. No, but, but um, yeah, there's the, um, the place I was staying was right on the seashore, and there were lots of, there were at least three or, I wouldn't, I'm going to say four species of crabs that were common right, right there. Um, I was visiting my wife, who was there for work, and yeah, she's she had a lot of crabs uh, at her apartment. <laughs> At her What's apartment. The, is there a cool bug that's there? That's yeah, is there a cool bug that's there? <laughs> Every time I visit, I 
mostly see, uh, there's crabs and then we see like fish and stuff i'm like oh great fish uh, entomologist, don't, show me, don't tell don't show me fish i'm an entomologist but uh um, right, right. and then we would you know do fun stuff to explore the island and whatever and then i would leave and she would immediately send me photos of the most amazing bug and i'm like well thank you for waiting until after i leave to find this cool bug but they knew uh, you were coming and didn't want to become part right, of the collection right, so right, they ran right. away that could be it Oh, yep. censor that um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh that i was going to ask mark so the ecosystem being isolated does that also provide advantages and being able to study the species that actually are there are they more abundant or more prominent um so in one of my past times doing entomology for a long period, I, I was doing ecology work, which is this cool. very, very intricate. It has a lot in common with economics. And so it's this all, like a mathematical way to try to understand patterns of really mm -hmm. intricate systems. So like a bug and its surroundings and its relationship to other bugs and its food and its predators and the environmental conditions. Like you can make it as complex Eventually, it gets so complex that you're basically talking about the real world. So islands are really good systems for studying ecological questions because they are comparatively simplified and you can control certain factors. Like, you know the size of the island. Like, if it's a small island, you can... It's a manageable number of bug species, for instance, or um, a manageable area to survey. Uh, so yeah, islands, islands are great for studying ecology. Um, and bugs get everywhere. Like if you are trying to study large mammals then islands may not be great there aren't there aren't really many large mammals on there are pumas on the virgin island i don't believe so i saw deer uh there's mongoose there which are oh. introduced oh a beautiful yeah. bird <laughs> uh, um so those were introduced to try to control rats and then they have thrived there and aren't they failed. kind of ferocious they're super ferocious. Yeah, that's the whole. That's the <laughs> to, whole. To, to humans, they're just generally ferocious. It's a, it's a, uh, effectively like a weasel. Um, so it's an animal that's very small. It's about the size of a squirrel, but it is fearless and and predatory. But rats operate at night, and as it turns out, they should have looked into when mongooses operate because they operate in the day. So there's. Oh, so now very... they're just like coexisting, yeah. happily, <laughs> so hanging are doing out fine, together. Having... Typical. Yeah, uh, they. They are living in happy cooperation with the rats ruling the night and mongooses ruling the day. And uh, uh, so I, I think That's most fun. of the like the, are probably eating bird eggs and, and things that we don't want them to eat. The rats are like punching out and the mm -hmm. mongooses are punching yeah, in. Yeah, they high five. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The rats yeah. are like, I'm going to hit the hay. And the mongoose is like, all right, I got it from here. <laughs> They so, get paid, that's sweet. I was trying to think of what they get paid in because it would have to be mutual between uh, mongooses and and rats between what they like. I Grain, am not, not a mammologist, but mongooses are for sure predatory. Rats, I think, are much more omnivorous. So a rat would eat basically anything it can get. So, so a mongoose, it would have to be, it would probably be bird eggs or frog eggs or something because a mongoose wouldn't want to eat one one grain. It's gonna have to be cat food. In cat food. Case. They would both probably happily eat cat food. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Actually, cat food has money for mongooses and rats. I, I, I'm on board with this. Yeah, 
Thank you. I'm glad we established this. There is this band uh, that I loved growing up called Shonen Knife, and they have a really fun punk song called Cobra versus Mongoose. And that's really mostly what I know about mongooses. <laughs> Biologically accurate. I mean, that's their um, their cultural sort of place is that people know them for being immune to cobra venom and ferociously attacking vipers of all sorts. And so, so and wow. that's the Indian the Indian mongoose. But yeah, they they are super fierce and prey on wow. deadly snakes. So cool. There's a song I like called. Shinobi versus Dragon Ninja by the band Lost Prophets. Anyway, uh, we got some questions here from our fans. They are screaming. I can hear them outside my house. I don't know why they came to my house. They made a mistake. The Bugmaster is not here. How do they know where you live? That's kind of creepy. I am. I told you, 100% engagement. Fan DMs wow. me asking for my address. I give them my address. Wow. But anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot of people out there now, and they are all screaming their questions to the Bugmaster at me. I am trying to, trying to intuit through all of the cacophony what the individual questions are. I'm going to do my best here. All right, so I'm looking out there right now. Um, oh, Anonymous is out there. They want to know. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, I think they're not binary. But anyway, what is the easiest bug slash what is the hardest bug? Huh. The, the hardest bug, in my experience, is... So uh, last time we talked with Alex, he, he had a question about the Hercules beetle. And I have tried to... I have a Hercules beetle in my collection. Um, it was given to me by my wife's father, who found it on his car. And it was an like, heirloom. I know who wants this. And he put it in a <laughs> Tupperware alive and sent it to me. And so I kept it as a as a pet for a while. And uh, it lived a very happy life. It ate strawberries and had a, had a fun time. But when it expired, I put it in my collection. And I will say that it was so hard to put a pin through um to you know that's you've seen an insect collection you put right, a pin right, right, through, you right. put a pin through the dead insect and um and that's actually kind of a key thing about insect collections they have arthropods have an exoskeleton meaning that their their bones more or less the structure that shape gives shape to their body is on the outside rather than the inside so when we die all of our soft parts will deteriorate and our skeleton is much more robust and you could have a collection of human skeletons very easily but for an insect the part you see the, the beautiful shell and wings and everything that is their skeleton so when the soft parts deteriorate after they die it still ends up looking basically the same as it did in life because all the soft parts are on the inside the beautiful hard parts are on the outside so the exoskeleton is what lets you just put a pin in it and put it in a box and it looks perfect for centuries um, but yeah, so I, so I added this, this beetle to my collection and I literally had to drill, I, the pin, I had my biggest sized pin would not go through it. I had to drill through the wing covers, the, the hard parts of the beetle shell on the top. I had to pre-drill it in order to get a pin through. That's how hard it was. That's one hard bug. What be that's one hard bug. What yeah. beetle was that? Um, this is the one Alex asked about, the Hercules beetle. Oh, it's a Hercules. Okay. Yep. 
So yeah, good. Yeah. All right. The Hercules so hardest... fuel is going to be coming up a lot, sounds like. Well, I, I try to, you know, refer to things that, that the previous, previous listeners oh. are for both. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just talking about in terms of popularity. I think that the Hercules Beetle is a very oh, prominent bug. It's, yes, it's well, a powerful bug, and it's going to get the uh, loving learning about bugs bump. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more Hercules beetles everywhere in the world after this episode. They're going to go viral. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think their numbers are going to double, maybe three hundred times. What's the softest bug? Oh, easiest bug. But That's easiest, easiest bug. I don't know how to go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to leave the other half of the question. It's a two-parter, anonymous, trying to sneak in two questions, really. Mm-hmm. But um, I can I sneak in a quick anecdote about Please. Here we go. <laughs> a bug collection. When I was in the seventh grade, my science class, the like final for our class was to make a bug collection. You had to find bugs and pin them down and stuff. Um, I was a young animals rights activist and I was vegetarian and I was protesting with PETA and stuff when I was in the seventh grade. So I was like, you know, went up to my teacher. I was like, I don't feel comfortable killing bugs. Is there something else I could do? And so she um, had me write a, uh, like a kind of a long paper, like a 10 to 15 page paper about the bug of my choice and I chose scarab beetles because this was the 90s and like Egyptian cool. stuff was cool <laughs> but um, that's not the story the story is that the teacher told us that um, one person pinned a scorpion because again I'm living in Arizona there's all oh. manner of scorpions and someone froze a scorpion in their freezer and then pinned it to their board and then <gasps> gave it to her and it wasn't dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, as it unfroze, I guess, it came back to life and it started, she she picked it up and it stung her. The little oh, tail God. whipped around and, and stung her hand. So she just kind of told everyone like, hey, maybe no more scorpions. <laughs> um, because uh, you want to make sure they're dead. Uh, when maybe no more them. live bugs in the school assignment. I think young you was maybe on the right track. <laughs> That's the, those sorts of stories in the world of entomology are legendary and common. Like every so, oh, you really? t- I mean, so like in a college entomology class or a graduate school entomology class, that's a, probably on a scale higher than what you did in, you know, in in, in school there. But doing a collection is is a huge part of your grade. Like it's a massive project, and because mm-hmm. they want you to not just read about them, you have to experience and find bugs and identify them and present them in a scientific way and, and all of this. But mm-hmm. it it happens every time where not all bugs, you can kill a lot of bugs by just, it's it's comparatively humane to put them in the freezer and they expire and then you can pin them and it's fine. There are some bugs that are adapted to survive freezing because they live in a place that sometimes freezes, like the Arizona <laughs> desert. And then they have to wake up again the next day and be like, okay, that was rough, but now I got to do my scorpion stuff. So it's it's pretty common to have bugs that have been frozen and then you put a pin in them and you present it to your teacher and then it's 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 grotesque. It's, it's horrifying. I, I have friends who've taught their university's variation of that class it's, it's pretty similar everywhere where there's like no you automatically get an f if if you have a bug on a pin in your box and i see that its legs or antenna are moving and it's still alive that's 
you know, you did a bad job, A, right. and yeah. B, that's cruel and, you know, gr- gruesome, and I, I don't want to deal with it. But um, So it, it does happen. Like, the way that you have to kill an insect to put it in your collection really needs to be researched a little bit because some of them are more robust than others. Yeah, maybe this project was a little too advanced for seventh grade <laughs> because, like, I don't think anyone really knew how to kill these bugs. You know, I don't think, and we didn't have the internet. You a child just, like, got a scorpion. Yeah, almost killed their teacher. It's amazing. Well, it wasn't the kind of scorpion that could kill you. But it could have been. It, they are there in Arizona. No, <laughs> they are there. This is but I don't the draw. It could have been. That's true. Yeah. But I don't think this particular one, everyone I know in Arizona, except for me, actually, but m- my family and most of my friends have been stung by scorpions before. <laughs> it's pretty common. Well, get on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, don't geez, all, now don't I feel. Them... <laughs> yeah, come on. I feel inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't all of them hurt pretty bad? Like, even, yeah. even the, the littlest ones. Yeah. I've never yeah, been like stung my... by a scorpion, but yeah. Go ahead. My sister said, uh, my sister, uh, forementioned vampire, <laughs> she was picking up a bale of hay for her horse and, uh, there, there was a scorpion in it and it stung her and she said it felt like someone punched her arm. Like wow. it, it was a tiny, actually the babies are often worse, but it wasn't a baby scorpion. It was just a small scorpion. And, uh, it, she said it felt like a punch and, um. And yeah, it stays sore for a very long time. So if it hit, if it, if it's in a limb, sometimes you kind of can't really use that limb for a bit. Is that is that muscular damage, Mark? Do you know what is that? What's Insect happening? venom is overwhelmingly complicated, but okay, so okay. there's, <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's tons of different. There's, so you can have neurotoxins, which yeah. directly, I mean, as the name suggests, they damage your nerves, and so they cause intense pain, but they may not cause a lot of physical or structural damage to the area that's wounded, but it hurts like the dickens. There's necrotizing venom, which is like, um, it, it basically causes the wound site to sort of rot away. Um, yeah. There's there's venoms that have all kinds of modes of actions, and they hurt more or less, or, or you know, it's it's a, it's a developing area of, of science that <laughs> Um, ne- necrotic flesh is maybe the worst thing you could ever Google. Well, not the worst thing, but it's one of. <laughs> yeah. just, just just a heads up. It's up there. All right. Yep. Um, uh, so, so that's probably a neurotoxin, then. Yeah. Well, it I, if I I think it could just be like muscle soreness or like soreness. You know, like if you get stung in the leg. And it's if it's immediately so painful, it's probably a neurotoxin or ha- has some neurotoxic wow. effects. If it's if it's painful over a long period of time, or like after the fact, I don't know. I'm 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 basically agreeing. If if it's if it's it could hurt because it damages your muscles, and then you'd have muscle soreness. Mm-hmm. So so that could be if, wow. it, if it's like a lingering soreness. Amazing. But. Wow, I am loving learning about bugs. 